Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Now, Bible lesson, Bible teaching, a little bit different. It's not, uh, it's not the same as this morning. So you have, to, you have to gear yourself a little bit to, to really just have a Bible lesson. And, and I just have to tell you, we, we need to get back to it. We need to get back to it. Uh, you know, you, find, you go travel the way we do, you find out people, people are having just one service a week. They're not, there's no Sunday school anymore. There's no Sunday night service. They don't meet for prayer. They have one, one snack a week. And it's not enough. It's not enough, folks. You know, you see a guy crawling down the parking lot here in, in August. I can imagine how hot and humid he gets down here. He's crawling on his knees, you know, trying to get home. And you walk up to him and say, you know, you're pathetic. You just need to try harder. And what you don't know is he hadn't eaten in three weeks. Then you go up and criticize the guy. He, he don't need your criticism. He needs a meal. You know, there's a lot of church people, they're really not eating spiritually as much as they need to. And it's reflected in our spiritual lives. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, this is the communion. And, uh, but we are going to go a different direction and then we're going to get back to communion. I'm, uh, believe me, I'm going to tie it all in before it's over because communion is such a precious thing to me. I was raised in a, in a denomination that, that uh, distorted it. We were, we were, it was taught in a legalistic way. If you did not take communion in our denomination every Sunday, you could not be saved. If you played music in the church, you were of the devil. If you did a lot of things, if you did anything but be in that church, you were of the devil. Basically, that's what I heard for 52 weeks out of the year. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 and 8. Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. And the old leaven was an unrepentant, open and unrepentant sin that someone was living in, in the church. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The roots of communion, the roots of communion go down into Passover. It's interesting to me how many people don't, don't, don't connect the two. Communion comes from Passover. So in order for you to understand communion, you have to understand Passover. But let me set the scene for what led up to the Passover. Go to Exodus, the eighth chapter. Like I say, Bible lesson, a little bit different. You, I move a little bit quicker and I go a little more detail and I talk a little faster and you've got to just take it in a little bit more. Got to be on your toes, but this is the Sunday night crowd. Exodus eight. Verse 20, Exodus 8, 
God is going to judge Pharaoh and the, and the, the government of Egypt. He's going to bring judgment on it. And in Exodus 8, verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, go, behold, I'll send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your people and into your houses. Now, I'm kind of catching the story in the middle, but just stay with me. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Verse 23, I will make a difference between my people and your people. Come on. I will make a difference between your people and my people. Exodus 9 Verse 4, and the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Now, God's not, not only is he going to sanctify and protect his people, he's going to sanctify and protect their stuff. Come on, somebody, get your shouting clothes on. So the, verse 6, so the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of, of Egypt died, but, not, but of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Now, somehow we've got it in, in, in our minds in the church where over here we've got God the Holy Spirit, we've got, we've, we've got the, the, the Trinity, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we, we've got angels and we got the saints and we got the church of God and, and God is working over here in this circle. That's how we picture it. God's over here working in this circle and then over here we've got Satan and the demons and, and, and the bad people of the world and, 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 and the devil. He, he's working over here in this circle. And, 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 you know, we, we've got good people in good government over here, and we've got bad people in bad government over here. And God's working over there, and Satan's working over here. Well, you, 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 you might want to read the Bible. Come on, let's get back to the Bible. He's big enough to work in both circles. might surprise us. Somehow we separated the two out and got it locked into our mind that that's the way it is. That's not the way it is. Turn with me to Acts the fourth chapter. Acts chapter 4. The disciples have been commanded not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They've been threatened in Acts chapter 4. Bad things are happening in the government. They're coming against the church. Acts 4, 17. But so that it spread no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they threaten them. 
Bible says you're supposed to obey the laws of the land, not when it disagrees, disagrees with the Word of God. Not when they command me to disobey the Bible. Come on. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> now look. Look at their prayer. Let's, let's just look at it. Verse 23. And, they, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, and now they start quoting the word back to God. What a great prayer. Why did the heathen rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stands and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So we pray, Lord, you change all those mean people. Is that what they said? Oh, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together, hang on, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Look at God over there working in that circle. Come on, look up at me. Over here in this circle where Satan is, demons, bad folk, he's still working his will. Notice the prayer. It's interesting, the prayer. They didn't come together and say, Lord, make all the bad people go away. Let them drop dead in Jesus' name for his glory. Huh? Lord, change all the bad people. Come on, stay with me. He said, you know what they're doing? They're doing what you determined beforehand to be done. But while they're doing what they're doing, let's pray, let's pray about us. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we might speak your word. So the focus of the prayer was not on God changing bad government. The focus of the prayer was on God changing the church. It's a delusion to think that God can't work in America when the government is not what you think it should be. You have put your hope in government and not in God. And you shouldn't, we shouldn't, I shouldn't. This is what happened to me four years ago when the election was on and I prayed. And the Lord was giving me a heads up because I prayed, Lord, are you going to restore America again? Are you going to make America great again? What are you going to do here? And, and the Lord spoke to me as clear as I'm talking to you and said, let me ask you something. Now, when the Lord says, let me ask you something, it's almost like Debbie saying to me, we need to talk. <laughs> you know, when Debbie says, we need, we need to talk. Let's, let's go somewhere private. I say, oh God, I really messed up. So Lord said to me, we, we, you know, let me ask you a question. Does the answer to that question change anything that I'm requiring you to do? 
If I do or I don't, does it change any mandate on your life? You still have to keep the commandments? Yeah. You still have to obey the Great Commission? Yeah. Are you still supposed to be salt and light? Yeah. You supposed to live holy and right? Yeah. You supposed to live by my word? Yeah. Well, just keep doing that and mind your own business. <laughs> Why? You can't determine what you're going to do by whether God is going to restore things back the way you think they ought to be done. We are people of the word. And we obey the word come hell or high water. And in Galveston Island, you're going to see all of it. You might as well get ready for it. I'm afraid that, 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 that people in America need to toughen up a little bit. I had a student named Panangola. Panangola is about six foot three, 120 pounds soaking wet. He came to the school with an accordion and played the same three chords the whole year. Like that drove me crazy. I asked him what his story was. He said his dad was a big, bigger man than him and he was uh, involved in witchcraft. He got the witch doctor in the village to, to pr pronounce uh, uh, a blessing on him so that his finances would prosper. And he was the most prosperous man in the village. So when Panangola became a Christian, his daddy disowned him. In fact, he decided he's going to kill him. So he walked up behind him while he wasn't looking and knocked him clean out. Boom. Tied him up in a tree, couldn't find his machete. The only thing he could find was a rusted saw, so he decided he going to cut him in half. Started cutting him in half. Panangola woke up, blood pouring out. The village came, knocked the man down, got Panangola, sent him to the hospital where he stayed in a coma for two months because he lost so much blood. Now, it's one thing to survive his daddy trying to saw into him. It's another thing to survive an African hospital. Two months later, he woke up. First thing he said, called his friend over. He said, come here. Go tell my daddy I'm not leaving Jesus. Come on now. Some people get America get offended, leave church because somebody said you look fat in that dress. <laughs> Ain't nobody cut you in two, darling. Are we word people? Are we word people? Yes. Might I remind you that most of the word of God written about the people of God is when they were un, in, in and under ungodly leadership. You ever hear a story about a man named Elijah? King Ahab? You ever hear a story about a man named Daniel? Nebuchadnezzar? You ever hear a story about Esther? Shadrach? Meshach? Abednego? Come on, y'all. What, 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 what do we see? What do we see in the Word of God? We see God's people as long as they'll be God's people. God working His will no matter who was ruling. We see God delivering and protecting His people no matter who designed evil against them. We see God performing His Word and being faithful no matter who was in charge. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. My people, what you're called by my name, will pray the right people in the White House. 
huh, hang on now. Got my Hebrew all mixed up. Got my Hebrew all mixed up. My people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. You do four things, I'll do three things. Didn't say anything about anybody in government. You're the Sunday night crowd. You come for the meat. The reason people are so disappointed is because many people have had false expectations. False expectations. I expect God to do what I'm asking Him to do. I expect God to do what I'm praying for Him to do. And He gets back to one thing and one thing only. Are you doing before God what His Word asks you to do? Can you say amen? amen. Now listen, what I, what, I did, what I got four years ago with, was peace, and I've kept it since then. Go back with me, Exodus 12. Here's the roots of communion. Praise the Lord. Exodus 12. This is where we get communion. And what a blessing it is. Exodus 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And I will... And, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, come on somebody. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. When I strike the land, everybody do this with your hand. Woo, say woo. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm believing in 2021. You say, what's God going to do in America? I don't know, but I tell you what's going to happen in my life. Woo. Why? I'm believing in communion. Communion is New Testament Passover. Every time I take it, I put the blood of Jesus on my heart. I put the blood of Jesus on my marriage. I put the blood of Jesus on my kids, on my grandkids, on my stuff. If I had a dog, I'd put it on that. But I don't have one anyway. The blood of Jesus is going to pass over. The blood of Jesus is going to pass over. Listen, we're not dealing with the blood of bulls and goats or a lamb. We're dealing with the precious blood of Jesus. Only had to be slain one time. Only had to shed it one time. Why? One time was enough. Can you say amen? amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11. Let's close. Blessed are the brief. They shall be invited back. I know about church fellowships. I pastored for 20 years. People got food. Everybody's thinking about it. What am I going to get to eat after church? 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. I preached a whole message on this one time. In the face of the worst type of betrayal, Jesus sat down 
and I had communion with people. Why? You can't love people correctly unless, you're, unless you risk them hurting you. I was pastoring and I was young and stupid and naive and, and uh, we had some church people do something really ugly, really ugly. And it hurt me so bad I just couldn't even hardly believe it. It just literally just broke my heart. And I tell you, I got my nose out of joint at God. And I said to the Lord, let me tell you, I didn't sign up for this, bub. And I want to know right now if this is what it's going to be like. And I didn't even get the words out before the Lord said, yep. It's exactly how it's going to be like. In other words, if, if people leave your church and you don't bleed a little bit, something's wrong with you. We shouldn't be saying good riddance and don't let the door hit you behind and stupid stuff like that. You know, we, if you love people, it should hurt. This is what the Lord told me. I'll heal you every time. He said, your heart hurting only proves that it was in the right place to begin with. You come to me and I'll heal it every time. The same night Jesus was betrayed, he sat down with the very man that was about to drive a nine-inch knife straight through his back. And he had fellowship with him. You know what that's called? Graciousness. Graciousness. Mercy. Kindness. So, look at what he says. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, verse 24, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, verse 27 starts with the great revelation about what communion is and what it does. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That is powerful language. Guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, how do you eat unworthy? Verse 28 tells you how to avoid it. But let a man examine his neighbor. Oh, wait a minute. Let me start over. Got mixed up on my Greek. Let a man examine his government. Let a man examine his pastor. You know what people have in the South after church? They have Kentucky Fried Preacher. <laughs> Verse 28, let a man examine himself. And so let him, let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Again, for, who, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, wish it wasn't in there. Wish it wasn't in there, but it's there. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I had a young man in my church. He came and he listened to the word. 
He was exposed to the Word. You know, it's a very dangerous thing to come to a church, especially a church like this, hear the Word and not respond. It's actually a dangerous thing. So he sat there. He loved me. He loved my preaching. He had a real respect for me. But that boy, he lived like a hellcat. He partied all the time. He'd, get, he'd come in on Sunday morning. He was so hung over. over he was so high. And I just love on him. Just love on him. Keep preaching the word to him. Well, one, one Saturday night, late, 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 he left the nightclub with his girlfriend, had a horrible wreck. And there he is in the emergency room. Mama calls me in. They got to open up his chest. But when they open his chest, there's an aorta in there. And what I heard was the likelihood of it bursting is very high. But if they don't open it, he's going to die. Absolutely. If they open it and, and it burst, he'll be dead within three minutes. He'll bleed out that quick. So here I am. I'm the pastor of this, this, this boy and his mom and daddy are in my church. I said, Lord, what's going on? What's going on here? He said, he's coming to judgment. He's coming to judgment. So they opened him up. Mom was on the phone with the nurse. They opened him up and that thing burst. Nurse is sitting there on the phone telling mama, your son's dying right now, ma'am. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They literally lost their mind. Everybody was screaming and hollering. I ran into the bathroom and I said, oh Lord, heal him right now. Heal him, heal him. Lord spoke to me just as calm and said, don't ask me to heal him. Ask me to forgive him. If you see your brother sin a sin which is not unto death, you'll ask life for him and life will be given. He was coming under judgment, but mercy was not that God would heal him. He needed to be forgiven. I said, he can't speak for himself. <laughs> I ask you right now, forgive him. I'm asking you forgive him. He can't speak. Forgive him. Instantly, the bleeding stopped. Doctors stood back. Didn't even know. They didn't stop it. It stopped on its own. They sealed him up and he lived. Listen, my dad, before he died, we had an argument. It hurt my heart so bad, but the Lord helped me through it. He got upset and he said, I'm not a Christian. My dad said, I'm not a Christian. I said, Dad, I know that you're, I know that you believe. He said, oh, I am a believer, but I'm not a Christian. He said, you're a Christian. Christians live what they believe. He said, I'm a believer. What happened with my dad was this. He knew the truth. But he kept moving himself out from under the grace and mercy of God by persisting in alcoholism. He persisted and persisted and persisted. He'd give it up and then he'd go back to it. Give it up and go back to it. Give it up and go back to it. I was there the night my older brother got baptized and made a profession of faith. But he couldn't beat alcohol, he couldn't beat cocaine, couldn't beat heroin. They just kept persisting in that lifestyle. What happens when you do that? Well, you keep persisting in a sin when you know better. You're, God's not moving, you're moving yourself out from under the protection and the umbrella of His grace and mercy. I'm not saying you'll go to hell, I'm saying you won't live your life out. You'll be consistently weak spiritually and a lot of times sickly and you die premature. Why? 
you won't judge yourself. This is a great restart button for the whole church. Communion is the great restart button. No matter what you've done, all you have to do is say, Lord, I judge myself. This is how the Lord shared it with me when I pastored. This is how I ministered communion. You judge your mind. Men, it's difficult. We all fight lust. Are you faithful to your wife in your mind? Not just with your body. Are you faithful with your money? What you doing with your money? Are you faithful with your mouth? Are you building up the body or do you tear it down? Are you speaking things that bring life and healing and health and restoration? Are you speaking things that put people at odds with each other? You got to watch your mouth. Can you say amen? amen. Got to watch what you're doing with your life. Listen, I've been in the ministry, started in, in 1980, full time, full time. Had a lot of ministers start with me. You know, a lot of them now are dead. Lost their marriage. Lost their health. I'm thinking of one right now. Bless his darling heart. He used to get people saved and, and filled with the Holy Spirit on accident more than I did on purpose. And now he's a complete alcoholic. What happens? Well, God still loves us. God's still merciful. God's still kind. But if you keep persisting in a lifestyle that you know is ungodly, you bring yourself into judgment. Now, how many thank God we don't live under the Old Testament? But a lot of people in church today, in, in, in our world, you can't talk like this. They can't even receive it. They can't receive any, any type of teaching like this. You know, it's, it's all about God loves me, therefore he approves of everything I do. Well, he doesn't. Can you say Amen. I love my kids, but sometimes they do stuff and I think, that was stupid. Why'd you do that? I love my grandkids, you know. But, you know, uh, my granddaughter got a, bit, a big old, I don't know how she got her hand on it. She got out a big old black magic marker the other night. She went to town in my house. I thought, you know, sweetheart, you better thank God that you are not directly my daughter. <laughs> I would get that black stuff off your body <laughs> and I'd take some more with it. But you know, we, we do live under the new covenant, but a lot of people today think nothing like this ever. Listen, there's the word of the Lord. It doesn't say a few people are weak, weak and sickly and die prematurely. It says many of you are weak and sickly and die prematurely because you won't judge yourself. What I'm saying tonight could possibly save your life. Why? The instant you judge yourself, mercy comes. Let's take the elements. The body of Christ. Am I doing okay? Is there something else I'm supposed to be doing? Does everybody have the elements? If you don't, could we raise your hand? If you don't have the elements, somebody's going to get some. 
Can I share a, a quick testimony with you? Yes. You want to hear a miracle from Africa? Yes. It show you the mercy of God. We had, a, we had a young man come and he was absolutely skin over bone. Lift your hand if you need an element. Somebody's coming. Lift your hand. Our sister pastor, she needs one. Now he needs one. Now they need one. Now somebody. They have a, they do a little trick in, in Tanzania. Uh, in order to have to mess with paperwork, right before you die, they'll kick you out of the hospital. Make you go home. Because they don't want you dying on the premises. It costs them money. So right before you die, they'll kick you out. So he was in the last stage of, of AIDS. Came and uh, two of his friends told him, he said, there's some preacher in town. We don't know who he is, but they're talking about miracles and healing. You want to go? He said, yeah. Couldn't walk on his own. They got under his arms and he shuffled like this. Just literally skin over his bone. Eyes sunk back. Just standing there with his mouth open. At the end of the crusade, Dr. Egan prayed for the sick. This guy's standing there. He's being held up by his friends. He turns and looks at his friends and he says, take me back to the hospital. I feel like something has changed in my body. So here they go, shuffling back to the hospital. They got on the hospital premises. They start screaming at him, leave, leave, leave. He can't come here. He said, I'm not leaving till you test my blood. They said, we'll call the police. He said, call them. Bring them here. I'm not leaving. They said, well, if you test, we test your blood, will you leave? He said, I'll leave. They tested the blood, came back negative. Same hospital that diagnosed him. They said, well, something's crazy with our, with our, with our stuff. We'll test you again. So they tested him again, came back negative. So they called the clinic across town, bring your stuff. So they brought their people, brought their stuff. They tested him, came back negative. A year later, we're there at the same village and this guy's standing on the platform with these documents in his hand. Dr. Egan hand, hands him the microphone. He says, you remember me? Dr. Egan said, I don't. He said, I know I've gained 40 pounds in one year. He said, everybody in this community knows what type of lifestyle that I lived in order to get AIDS. When you prayed for me, I was a sinner. When Jesus healed me, I was a sinner. But now my heart belongs to him. How merciful is God? He'll heal somebody in the last stages of AIDS when they brought it on themselves. Oh, he don't deserve mercy. It wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. How many thank God our God is a merciful God? Now listen, this is what I do. I judge myself when it comes to the body. I judge myself. How am I doing? Am I, am I a positive spiritual influence on the body where I worship? When Pastor Sam Carr hired me, I was, on the, I was on the second row and he'd been preaching two or three weeks and I said to myself, you know, I'm not really getting anything out of this. And I bowed my head and I said, Lord, what's wrong? Pastor Sam is a man of God, but I'm not really getting anything out of his, out of his preaching. And the Lord said to me, he said, that's because that's he's your preacher. He's not your pastor. You haven't received him in your heart as your pastor yet. I bowed my head and said, Father, right now I receive Sam Carr as your spiritual authority in my life. I receive him as my pastor in my heart in Jesus' name. Open my eyes. He started preaching. I couldn't get to my notebook quick enough. 
Everything he said was life to me. Your pastor has to be pastor and not just your preacher. Amen. Now, everybody, everybody do this for me one time. Now, I, I'm just playing a little game. Just do this for me. Put your hands out like this. Now, do you realize that when there's a little fire in the church that the devil tries to start, you're usually there to that fire before the pastor gets to it? You know about it ahead of time. Now, in this hand, you got water. In this hand, you got gas. What kind, of, what kind of Christian you going to be in 2021? You going to throw, what you going to throw? I'm throwing water. I said, I'm throwing water. In fact, I put my, I put my gas bucket down. I got two buckets of water. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so how does it work? I mean, let me show you how it works. Who, who, who can help me? Roland, come up here and help me. This is how, this is how it works. Is this okay? I know I'm going a little bit longer, but I just thought of this story, and it's so funny. I love it. I had a man in my church. Let's just pretend that Roland's real fat. Well, he was, and you know he was. He had a big old gut. Now, what? That, that's nothing wrong with that. I got a, a big belly. I like to eat, too. Listen. He was a gossip. He was the worst gossip I ever knew. And you know what he loved to do? He f loved to find the dirt on churches and especially preachers. And he'd come fill my ear with it. Prominent businessman, paid big tithes. So out of politeness, I sat and looked at him. You know, you feed sheep, but you milk goats. Anyway, all right, so I just listened to him. Now, some pastor in town messed up and he couldn't wait to get to me. Now I'm coming out to preach and it's in the foyer and there's church people and, and children all around and he starts spouting off what happened. Hear what happened over there with that preacher? You know what he did? The Lord had already gotten on to me about sitting there and letting my ear be a slop bucket for his stuff. You know what I did? I grabbed that big old fat man and pulled him down to the ground. I said, my God, if it's that bad, let's pray. <laughs> now listen, I got him. He's big and fat. And so I start praying. I start praying, oh God, please help us. Let us judge ourselves, lest we fall into the same sin. God, we just, we're so sorry for what's happened over there at that church. Oh God, it's no telling how bad his wife has hurt. No telling how bad his children are hurt hearing that God protect their little hearts. God keep them. And then he starts pulling, trying to pull away from me and I just hung in. <laughs> and then, then, you know, being the Holy Ghost folks, I just had to kick off in tongues. Oh, yeah. So I'm kicking off in tongues. He turning red. I, I glanced at him because the Bible says watch and pray. <laughs> I glanced at him, literal sweat coming down his brow. So I prayed until I shalabala, halabala. Oh boy, I'm going after it, you know. And he, now my knees are hurting. My legs are hurting. I'm not as big as he is. So I know he's about to die. So he keeps trying to pull. I just hang in tighter. Hold on. Finally, I do that. I, stood, I had to help him up. He got up. I said, listen, brother, you hear anything else, you come tell me. We'll pray again. <laughs> 
Not nary a time. Come on, y'all. Lord, we thank you for your body. Broken for us. Take a, just a few moments in reverence. Even though we're laughing, have a good time. Reverence. Ask yourself, what kind of influence am I in this body? Am I a life-giving influence? Lord, we judge ourselves, our mind, our mouth, our money, our motives. Thank you for the body which was broken for us. Let's take the body. Like manner, he took the cup saying, this is new covenant in my blood. This do is off as you drink it. In remembrance of me, I put the blood of Jesus over my life. I put the blood of Jesus over my heart. I put the blood of Jesus over my marriage. Come on, y'all start saying it yourself. Come on. We put the blood of Jesus over our families, our children, our grandchildren. We put the blood of Jesus over our nation, our leaders. We cry out that the blood has not lost its power. And we thank you tonight, Lord, that the blood cries mercy. So no matter what 2021 has, when it comes, I'm proclaiming it's going to pass over my house. In Jesus' precious name, can we take the cup? Would you stand and lift holy hands? In the fear of the Lord, would you stand and lift holy hands in the fear of the Lord? Would you reverence the Lord with me? Would you thank Him for His mercy in your life? How good He's been to you. Come on, how faithful He's been to you. How much He's forgiven you. How much He's washed you. How much He's blessed you. How much He's watched over you. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord in this place. Holy is the Lord. And now, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus, let your healing power touch your people. Let your healing power touch your people and bless your people and help your people and strengthen us that we would be a body pure and holy unto you. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Let there be no jealousy. Let there be no strife. Let there be no ill will toward anybody. In Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. While we're standing up and praying, let's go ahead and pray for our nation. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we pray for the United States. We pray for our leaders. We lift them up. You said, first of all, prayer, supplication, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men and for all that are in authority, kings and all that are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life unto all godliness and honesty. Father, right now, thank you for your hand on this nation. Thank you for your hand on our leaders. We pray for them in Jesus' name. 
Jesus' name. Now look at me. Let me close with this. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a tough thing to take, but you're, you're the Sunday night crowd. I was belly aching a long time ago about something in, in our government. And I was quote unquote praying. I thought I was praying, but really all I was doing was complaining. And I heard the Lord speak to me and said, now you've got you've to make a decision because you're double-minded. I said, what do you mean I'm double-minded? He said, well, you're either going to be a great complainer or a great prayer, but you cannot be both. Because the complaining undoes your praying. So all I'm saying to you is, you need to make up your mind which one you're going to be good at. Because right now, all you're giving me to work with is complaining. And I can't work with that. So I said, okay. Now, have I done that perfectly? No. I've had bad days where I griped and sounded like an old man. Because I was so mad. What would you do? I repented and asked God to forgive me. Then I go back and I start praying again. But I made a decision. I'm going to be a great prayer. You know, the cool thing about being a great prayer is you don't have to be extra talented at all. You just have to have a real heart. You don't have to have a degree. You don't even have to be that smart, which I'm glad. You just have to have a right heart before God. And, and the Bible talks out like, like this. Whosoever. Well, how easy is it to be a whosoever? I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Wave at me if you're a whosoever. Wave at each other and say, I'm a whosoever. Then God can hear your prayer. Pastor Roland, come. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.